Hey everyone, M here. A couple of things before I start the intro music on this one. First up, an apology. Uh, a few days back I made a pretty unkind post on our Twitter account about someone in the activist community, and I'd like to apologise for that. I, I do mean it, I am genuinely sorry. Uh, the post itself was pretty rude to begin with, obviously, but it also repeated some bullshit about that person that had been fabricated by fast trolls. I'm not saying this to make excuses for myself, but needless to say, if I'd been aware of the origin of that stuff, I wouldn't have repeated it, and it definitely won't be happening again. So yeah, my, my genuine apologies for that. Totally my fault. Absolute fuck up on my part. Um, second, some more general housekeeping. Um, so obviously we've not released an episode in like three or four months now. This has basically been due to a combination of us being incredibly busy, E being ill for a bit, um, and me being kind of like hip deep in just the fun, wild world of geopolitics as I'm sure we're all beginning to cope with. Um, we're going to be getting back into a more regular release schedule over the next couple of months, hopefully sooner, maybe even the next couple of weeks. Um, and beyond that, we intend to continue releasing episodes pretty regularly throughout the rest of the year. It's just that there's been some disruptions to the schedule recently, so don't worry, we're, we're here to stay. Anyway, that's all for now, I think, um, and on with the show. Hello and welcome to Blood and Turf. This is a one-off episode with some guests, as E is off recovering from plague at time of recording. As we all know, content creators are cops, and I'm joined today by two special operators whose anonymity is being preserved for the sake of their safety in these dangerous times. Sergeant A has previously appeared on the podcast in our Theory Deep Dive episode, and has been on the force for several years. She's fingering her handcuffs as I speak. Hello, Sergeant A. Hey, you're right. Very, very copperly that I feel. <laughs> and Special Constable C, deployed on mutual aid loan from Police Scotland, has also kindly joined us for this special investigation. I see. Hello, how's it going? Well, 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 well. <laughs> I've seen this coming. <laughs> What we have here, then, is an episode about the UK police. Oh, sorry, I should say for the regular listeners, because E isn't here, um, we decided to just do, like, a fun episode where, like, I just, like, kind of go off on one. So I've ringed in, like, two idiots from my Twitter group chats to help me. We're just going to be talking about the police in the UK for the next hour and a half and how fucking insane they are. Yes. Yeah. I guess this tangentially has stuff to do with fascism, but not really anything to do with transphobic ideology. Ooh, well, well. <laughs> okay, tangentially might be a, the wrong word there. Allow us, the cis guys, <laughs> to explain to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Go on, that's fine. <laughs> uh, jo Jokey aside, like, because a lot of this episode is going to be about like cop Twitter and UK cop Twitter, if you've ever been like closely embroiled in it is an intriguing place um we are actually going to be talking about the the the, the overlap with some bits of like turfy online culture 
so it's it's not entirely detached from our normal topic up topic stuff but you know because he isn't here we're just having a fun time aren't we so yeah we're going to be talking about the police um any thoughts on the police um i'm not legally allowed to say uh what my true thoughts of the police are but they um they're certainly a force there's certainly a, a a monopoly in the legitimate use of violence. Uh, the, poli- the police are certainly a force, a police force. I would say multiple forces, perhaps, across the entire island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what the people tune in for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I think what we were discussing about just before we started recording was the fact that British police are simultaneously there's no equivalent of like a federal police force like there's no british fbi there's no like there's no british sort of like national i don't know like the national trust doesn't have its own SWAT team or whatever like like you have in the us but our local police forces are far less locally accountable i think than in yeah, the so, United States. So the way the way it works is that um, I think most, if not all, local police forces in the UK will have a will will be attached to like a police and crime commissioner, who which is uh, normally an elected position. We actually covered this slightly in our episode on the LGB alliance because there's indications that like some of the like a, a part of the culture war is that because the, the police and crime commissioners are normally like as an elected role, Tory safe seats, there's like kind of a bit of a focus by some of the kind of culture warriors to, to radicalize police and crime commission um, seat holders. So th- there's kind of like an elected position, which is halfway between being a civil servant and being a sheriff. Mm. Which yeah. is the closest equivalent I can think of for the US because sheriffs are an elected position in, in some, if not all states in America. I don't really know the specific legalities yeah. on that. Yeah. But basically, basically, you can vote for your police and crime commissioner in, in quite a lot of places in the UK. Yeah. Except for, for example, and we'll, we'll get into the details of this later, in um, London. Because in London, um, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner is like, a, is, like a, is like a civil service appointed role. And ostensibly, the elected uh, head honcho in that context is the mayor of, 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 of London. So that basically, like the thing about the UK is that it's constitutionally extremely like complex and sclerotic, and it doesn't really make any sense if you were to like write it down. Like, it, brilliant example of this that's like kind of unconnected to cops is like how our how our uh, our localization governmental system works. Uh, yes, within within England, there's all of these like things called counties, and actually depending on what context you're talking about county means several different things so like for the post office the county lines are completely different from if you're talking about like um electoral boundaries uh versus uh, again completely different to what the traditional historical counties are which are which are much more kind of like predicated on regional identitarianism and historical legacies of basically late medieval feudalism because britain's a fucking wicker man ass country Yes. Um, and it's also worth noting there's only one layer of law enforcement in about 90% of all cases. 
Yeah, we don't have, we don't really have an FBI. And again, the Met is probably the closest thing we have to the FBI here, because unlike in in the US, where there's like a trillion different security agencies that all have insane overlapping jurisdictions, here we have like three. Yeah. GCHQ does some of this stuff similar to that. Well, GCHQ doesn't really do direct intervention. Like you don't get arrested by GCHQ. Basically the, the only stuff they do in, well, yeah. Um, I, I was going to say they do they do some of the cybercrime stuff, but actually a lot of that is done by the City of London Police as well. You know, the City of London versus Metropolitan Police jurisdictional split is actually a brilliant example of how like fucking stupidly complex the police in the UK. Yeah, for context, yeah. there's this historical geographical unit within London called the City of London, which is tiny. Like it's absolutely minuscule. Like it's the size of a village. It's literally the square mile, isn't it? And it has oh. it has its own police force, which is called City of London Police, who are completely jurisdictionally independent from the Metropolitan Police Service, which covers all of the other nine to fifteen million people, depending on how you measure it, who live and work in London. Yeah. Mm-hmm. City police mainly do financial crime, from what I understand, which is why they're really heavily involved with cybercrime fraud yeah. stuff. Yeah they're, yeah, they're effectively a sort of like heavily tooled up corporate police force. Yeah. That's cyberpunk as fuck. The other thing, the other difference with, say, the United States uh, is that you don't have these multiple layers of local police forces. Like, I know in the US, you can get like a city police force, so like a police department, and then there's a county sheriff department then you might get state troopers at the state level and then you get like a million federal agencies including the fbi in britain you just have this you have a few national police agencies like the british transport police or the british like military police and so forth and you get a few police forces that have jurisdiction over some matters outside of their natural constituency like the london met sometimes takes jurisdiction over other police forces in certain cases. Right, but for example, we, with the yeah. with the COP26 policing operation, even though it was all taking place in, Glas- in Glasgow, a lot of the kind of like command and control structure was, was like partially handed over to Met specialists because... Met have such a wonderful history in uh, anti-globalization protest policing. Yes. Uh including in Scotland with the G8 in 2005, which was... Uh... God, I bet that I was, like, dragged onto the G8 protests as, like, a tiny child as well. That's exactly the sort of thing my parents would have, like, brought a fucking 13? Maybe, yeah. I can't really do maths very well, too. Um, speaking of the history, should we give a wee bit of historical context for the, the dear listeners? Yeah, like, recent recent history of why we feel it's worth doing a cop episode that'd be worthwhile um we're not doing the full 300 year <laughs> well yeah. have you ever heard of the bow street runners no we're not <laughs> uh, basically like the police in the uk right now are going through um are going through like a bit of a i guess shift in their structural role within the state. like that's how i would term it because they're they seem to be in a bit of a a bit of a political flux Definitely. i'd agree with that yeah the I think there's a wee bit of a public, certainly earlier, sorry, not this year, last year, there were some quite significant legitimacy crises for the police. Mm. Uh, and a lot of that came in the form of the Sarah Everard issue, um, but also the 
more generally the association with like the policing and crimes bill and the spy cops issue, which were also starting to gain some public attention. Maybe maybe we could start there and sort of work back through the, the past two decades. My feeling of it is that like coming out of like the like the, the Blair period of government, the cops were kind of like on a, a a bit of a high because they were absolutely considered to be this like inviolable pillar of the legitimacy of the, of the legitimacy of the state. And like a couple of things happened to disrupt that. And one of those was like the outwash of austerity and things like the London riots, which were precipitated by the killing of Mark Duggan, who was just this, this guy that they shot on extremely dodgy grounds. And then lied yeah. about Yeah, they, they like lied about it. There was a whole like very, very detailed series of investigations that demonstrated they like essentially created fictitious circumstances around the shooting. Um, and basically, as, as kind of like austerity began to destroy what remained of traditional UK community policing, and they began to get like more and more um, modernised in the sense that like a modern Western security state would want policing to, to behave like. I think the, the public appeal of policing within urban centres particularly began to kind of diminish and like the veneer has kind of begun to peel off a bit. And then they hit a series of really, really dramatic um, shifts in perception with certain like key constituencies within the country. And those would be like young people and black people, people of color, uh, like young uh, feminist people, students, LGBT community. The relations with those groups have always been strained for like reasons that we're not gonna need to explain. Then this this kind of came to a head in the next couple of years, which during the Brexit period, there was like this general crisis of, of faith in the state because yes. austerity had done that no favours to begin with. Everybody's lives were shit. There were a series of like large protests, large crises of government. And yeah. then like the Tories managed to do like relatively well and just kind of like started being like oh okay well we've got the keys to the car now let's just drive as fast as we want and started lodging all these insane bits of legislation which is how we got to bits of of law like the nationality and borders bill and the police crime sentencing and courts bill which yes. is famous for the kill the bill protests and unfortunately yes. a lot of this just smashed straight into the the like the aftermath of the black lives matter movement and also the murder of sarah everard by an extremely institutionally trusted police officer. Yes, an institutionally trusted police officer who is in uniform. Yeah, and, and who used his police powers to kill this woman. He used his, his police powers, specifically COVID restriction powers, to arrest Sarah, to, well, like, I guess real, he did, he did arrest her. But yeah, no, this was um, a uniformed police officer using completely legal powers to entrap a woman who he then like assaulted and killed the other thing is that is that like uh britain has this like the british public and particularly the british print media has this weird relationship with the concept of sex murders um, yes which well, is that they it. sorry they fucking love it yeah i was yes. gonna say, I gotta say they absolutely fucking love them um so this was this was great. This was great for them. Like they basically got to do an ITV Christmas special cop drama in real life. Um, 
about like real people who had been killed which they weren't able to do about like the london riots like they could just kind of like do culture war hand-wringing and that kind of thing yeah i mean it it helped honestly and like i careful about saying this obviously but like it did help to a certain extent that she was like a conventionally attractive young white woman oh it definitely did I don't so think they could plaster right. her face all over the front page of the like, it's, it's almost as if it was discovered that a police officer had been the one who kidnapped uh, madeline the cat <laughs> yeah. i was gonna go with princess diana but <laughs> oh well no but to be fair the police did kill princess diana <laughs> <laughs> yeah the i mean police. that's unproven but the other bit is the um I think the... Uh, it's not even a belief of mine. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can say anything on podcasts. It's great. No, the, um, I think you're right to make the comparison with like sort of ITV police dramas and the way that like this horrific police murder was covered. I mean, it just reminded me of like... So in, in a lot of cop dramas, sort of all cards on the table, My one of my guilty pleasures is like, detective procedurals uh like detective procedural cop shows uh and an absolutely classic sort of plot arc in a lot of these shows when the writers start to run out of ideas through the first season is to make one of the junior cops a murderer um and thus you can see you can see it was, it was really like it was so jarring seeing this like play out in real life on on in the media because it was like the you're right that the news were covering it as though it was like this cop drama and it was just like no this was like a real person uh and this was like a real like overreach of power it wasn't just some some plot from line of duty which had like no consequences it was uh and i think a lot of the more profound implications of the sarah everard case which was like how much did the Met protect their own, how much did like senior figures like Cressida Dick know, how much did like the colleagues of this person sort of just stay quiet, I think that was it really blew the lid off so many things but then even with in the face of all of this evidence, even in the face of all of this like sort of information that was revealed about how the Met behaved. Like, I think the media was so desperate to avoid talking about that and just talked about this individual cop. There was definitely, like, this like, emergent contradiction between, between like, public sentiment and, and commentary and sentiment, which has been, a, like, a prevailing theme of that contradiction. Like, but, but basically, like, the, the, the public sentiment being, being at odds with what media pundits want to talk about has been, has been like, a very prevalent trend within the last few years like there's definitely like a disconnect between uh the people who would want to define cultural hegemony work versus the people who actually populate culture yeah i feel like a big a big part of that a big example of that specifically in that case is the whole thing where everyone was posting those like really crap oh here's what to do if a if a police officer stops you and you're not sure if they're a real police officer etc etc and you, I don't know, jump on a bus or it was ask like, them to give you their badge. Down a bus thing was insane. I actually saw yeah. like an anti-fascist group share that one, and I was I, oh, I, oh god, oh god, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. But, but the thing is, like, even if, but this 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 is a great example of how the media missed the point and how the police's own PR tried to play into the media missing the point. 
which was the fact that, like, as I said, Wayne Cousins, this guy who, this, this officer who murdered Sarah Everard, was a real police officer and used real police powers to entrap her. And it was just like, it was just so mad. Yeah, they, right? the, the thing is that they were suggesting all of these things and then everyone would come back. Basically, they would get quote tweet dunked. I, I think I mean, the thing is, is that, that that kind of stuff is always a bit like transitory. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's like the topic du jour and then it fades. But there was nevertheless this like quite big emergent rupture that had already kind of started the end that then got widened like quite a bit more. And we're still yeah. dealing with fallout from that. Everybody kind of knows that the Met, uh, like all mad levels are corrupt. But there's this, there's this kind of like negotiation going on within civil society as to what the point is at which, at which point, like it becomes polite to talk about that in explicit phrasing. We've not actually quite reached the level where it's polite to say metropolitan police corruption regularly on like BBC Four. Yeah. Um, ju- well, just to come back to the the PR of of the mayor in response to this thing. Sorry, just just because I think it's very indicative of like the whole, perhaps a wider social attitude held both by the police and by a lot of mainstream society in Britain towards the police, particularly sort of the media and so on. Which is that like no true. It's like a no true Scotsman, right? No real police officer would have like committed this heinous crime. Right. So therefore, it's, it, therefore, if, if like a police officer does commit this crime, it's like they're faking it, and it's like no, like it, and this treats this kind of shows this mentality that like sort of a, a real cop can do no wrong, and you see it in the way sort of court cases play out. Like a police officer's word is implicitly treated with more weight um, because they're a police officer uh, when something goes to trial. And it's just like, no, I mean, it's not quite as extremely polarized as in the US, I think, where you get like proper, like proper police cultists, thin blue blue line types against a a much more general skepticism of, of pretty much all police that I think is much more widely held in American society. Um, just because of how naked the corruption and racism is. Whereas in Britain, I think it speaks to perhaps a more sinister, just kind of generally passively held belief that most cops are good and the ones that are bad are bad because they're corrupt and they're bad at being cops. I think this speaks to the ideology of various like media products. Like Line of Duty is probably the best example, recent example, I think. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's like a like a, a flagship British cultural production as well. Yeah. So on the on the topic of the thin blue line stuff, I mean, the thin blue line stuff is still very much a thing. Oh yeah. In this country, it's just not. Um, I don't think it's a civilian thing. It's a thing which the police do internally. Like you have this, you have the same kind of not not on the same level, but you have the same like culty. Um, attitude towards the police being like inherently good and like serious heroes etc etc but it's mainly isolated to the police themselves and like some weird super fans who i'm assuming are like wives of course yeah like or police families and i mean obviously those those demographics in places like the us as well are also usually cop cultists but you do get this wider 
cop cult in America. Whereas I think you're right, stuff like British cop Twitter, um, it's made for other cops. I think the critical thing about like the British, like the British cop attitude, and this is very much reflected in British cop Twitter, which we're going to have to discuss in some detail. I think the the big difference between um, the way that British and American cops work is that. Being an American cop is portrayed culturally as being a hero and, and being like a man. Whereas being a British cop is like, like there's a bit of that. Like it certainly, um, there certainly was an, an attempt to like manufacture um, kind of like passive consent via the idea of projecting them as a hero. Like that states always do that. It's not unique to the, it's not unique to the American state at all, but by and large, because of the way that the civil service works in the UK, the cops are kind of viewed as being like boring and shite. Because the best I... image you get of them is the like friendly, friendly guy who's walking down your street, which obviously does not exist anymore. Yeah. If it ever exist, did, it'll exist in like minuscule townlets that are called like Chipford, and <laughs> their big, their big like crime scandal is that someone graffitis the local nursery's wall. Yeah, I mean, I think, and we discussed this before recording, but I think one of the main thesis statements for how, like, the how British cops think is that British cops want what American cops have. Yeah, this, the, the driving the driving psychological itch of, of of the UK police psychology is like. In the in the British in the, like Britain is a cucked nation. British, <laughs> cop, British cops are like a turbo cucked species of cop. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like it's very weird because you get what I, I, I might like to call I don't know we could call like residual Bobbyism. Um, in the well, sense, continuity you... Bobby on the beatism. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so we've got the new Bobby on the beat. We've got the provisional. We've got the original. <laughs> oh, God. But you, you still have this image that a lot of well, the, the provision got... The provisional Bobby on the beat is just like the armed response guys. <laughs> they're, they're, there's, there's a few that are off the books. They don't recognize the trees. I'm not going to say um, anything about the actual provost behaving like cops. I don't yeah. know how many, how many listeners we have in Ireland, but I'm about to find <laughs> out. Yes. Yes, we, we will. Uh, and also the less said about the, the, the PSNI, the better. Um, but the, um, I think you still have this residual Bobbyism in UK cop Twitter, which is particularly in a lot of the cop media that is designed for other cops. So you'll have stuff like sort of, oh, images of like cops at the station sitting around a cup of, like having a cup of tea and like doing some paperwork. It was like American cop media is like body cams of like guys with guns like sort of sliding over cars like Bobby Schmurder style um, and in fact you get this in police recruitment ads as well because in doing research for this this podcast I ended up fucking my Twitter algorithm so now before every Twitter video I get adverts by the home office for police recruitment Oh and God, all... that's why I've been getting so many adverts. Yes! <laughs> yeah. And you see, all of them are just like, they'll have someone, usually a young person, often a woman or an ethnic minority, That's that bit is quite interesting, saying like, oh, I found like 
my calling. I'm, 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 it's a really good environment. I, everyone's so nice uh, and everyone's so supportive. And it's like this nice office environment. I mean, they're all wearing staff vests in the office, but it's like, it's this nice office environment. It's like, that's this kind of residual bobbyism. Was like, like, no American police recruitment ad would be like, they wouldn't talk about how nice the office culture is. Because I mean, firstly, it would be flagrant false advertising if, if what we know about American police culture is anywhere close to the truth but it's also so who just does it in the u.s who does do that in the u.s and that's the army yes that's true because the army, the army does that army here is, as well actually the army is yeah. a centralized institution that needs to maintain like a certain quality of its of its like broad professionalism on average which means they need to actually have a policy on how they treat minorities because they've had like too much bullshit over the years from multiple failed morale like wars and collapses of troop morale so they need to actually treat lgbt people moderately nicely on paper whereas all the local police forces in the uk in the us are like mad fiefdoms that are like run by kkk retirees yeah I think that is one of the things I've noticed about the adverts which I'm getting is a lot of the adverts I get are really pushing hard, basically on the like HRified, yes, um, like acceptance stuff. Th- that's also because um, as like a component of the state that and the state moves quite slowly in the UK, like their norms are about five years behind what the legislative portion of the state does. So they haven't caught up to all of, to like the fact that they need to do reactionary PR in quite the way that like the actual political parties do it. They're still doing PR in the way that you would do it in the Cameron era. So yes. they're still they're still like trying to do like essentially like big society non-confrontational inclusivity uh, and be like, oh yes, we want to recruit a very diverse police force because we want to represent represent the whole nation and all yes. of this. Um, I mean, and the, fu- the funny part of that, of course, is that if you click through to these adverts and you go into the comments, there's always about, like, 50 absolute wallopers, like, complaining about that, how the Home Office is woke now or something. And it's, it's, it's just... It's just yeah, a complete you know, joke. It's like, yeah. it's like how there's a whole bunch of people on Twitter right now saying that um, NATO is going to lose a war against Russia because all, of the, <laughs> because all of the troops are too gay. And it's like, yeah. no, modern policing is shit now because there's too many queers. God, if only. But, um, the, but this is such an interesting thing because there seems to be this fundamental tension between these two spheres. There's fundamentally, I think, two sides to the British cop self-image, which is one is the friendly Bobby, the policing by con- the, the officer by consent, and that is gradually coming into more and more tension with the increased militarization. And I think yeah, because they haven't got enough fucking money to put. Yes, ostensibly, this is the the normal read of it. They don't have enough money to put um, a friendly policeman on on every village street. There's also the fact that, like institutionally, they actually kind of don't want to do that because the psychology of the police, as we shall now delve into, has fundamentally. <laughs> over the last few years um as we discussed earlier like they've got, they're going through this like historical cultural moment of of shift and flux and what's that what that has meant is that much like the rest of the uk um they become much more crazy than normal and you can tell this by um engaging in a bit of tea reading by reading all of their twitter posts 
Um, yes. And as our deep dive research for this episode, uh, we decided to spend a significant period of time looking at COP Twitter. The unfortunate side effect of this is that we now no longer have eyeballs. Yes, we've seen some... We've seen posts you people wouldn't believe. We've seen nothing like tears, tears from crying laughing emojis in the rain. All gone now. All, all collapsed into home office recruitment adverts. UK like, humour. One of the finest accounts. If not necessarily the, the Ur UK cop account, it's pretty damn close. Um, because it is not just aggregating cop posts, it retweets a hell of a lot of cop accounts, both official and, pri- and private cop accounts. Um, or sorry, personal cop accounts. But it's also actively seeking to be the voice of UK yeah. cop self-image. It's like, it's like the opinion definer for cops as a constituency. And like the, the official version of this, well, not the official, but like the formal version of this, in that it's like not as jokesy and meme I would say is another account called At The Met Skipper, which I think is Oof. run by like a moderately senior Metropolitan Police ser- uh, service officer. Um, oh. that, that account is like it's basically like if UK cop humour was not about the humour and was just about like posting about the police so there'll be like lots of like tearful images of historical cop deaths including an absolutely fucking hilarious one which we should talk about in a second oh Jesus you know yeah. the one I mean the one, the, one, the one that you said looked like a fucking Romulan uh, battleship commander Right, yeah. so yeah, a few days oh ago... Oh my god, I'm looking Met, at it right, sorry. Met Skipper retweeted an account called at UK underscore cops, um, and the tweet was, remembering Chief Inspector John Smith, Hampshire Constabulary, who died on this day in 1990 when a tree hit his car during a storm as he drove to work. And there's this picture of this man who looks like, who looks like a fucking retired Romulan warbird captain, Who's got like he? It's it's like it's like if Leonard Nimoy bred with Rowan Atkinson. It's nuts. He's just got yes. such incredible vibes and a very intense facial expression, and also looks extremely police. I mean, he is wearing a police uniform, but just the the, the aura emanating from this slightly blasted out black and white photograph. It's just, just like. like- really specifically scratches a certain bit of my memories just about the, like the bill for some reason he looks like a character in the bill but like if for some reason star trek had an episode where they accidentally traveled back in time to like early early 2000s uk and ended up in an episode of the bill yes no honestly yeah, like instead of having to dress up as an ss officer like he does in one episode spock has to dress up as a member of the met <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a huge part of the component is like the UK cop Twitter is always reminding itself that it's a serious job. Yeah, they'll like, always... they'll like post they'll like post pictures of people who died in the line of duty, and it was like, oh, unfortunately, Detective Clive Bunford was tragically killed when a gigantic pile of bricks fell off a building onto his head while he was getting booze from the off-license. R.I.P. Thin blue line. And it's yes. like this man like, was not obliterated in a daring shootout with Mexican drug barons. That's not what's going on here. This man like tripped over a banana peel and fell down the stairs. 
Uh, and there's 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 all of this stuff on there where they're like, oh, we're members of the emergency services, we're frontline workers, and we're constantly dying of COVID nineteen. Um, and to be fair, that quite a few UK cops have died from COVID nineteen, but they're like portraying this as if dying from COVID nineteen is an inherently heroic act, or or like you know ramming your Ford Fiesta into a tree one night because you forgot that it was one of the worst storms in history and you're just extremely stupid means that you're like worthy of having like a memorial which is bananas they've essentially got like this heroism fetish which doesn't work because their job is extremely safe so all of their injuries on the job are like paper cuts or stubbed my toe on a protester this is the, this is the other thing with like the whole hero thing is that like when you look through their tweets they're constantly comparing them they're like half of them have in their bio frontline worker but not cop so they're like very clearly trying to make like a tie between themselves and yeah. like the NHS workers like, I feel yeah. like probably I feel like have if 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 um you know the ambulance service the fire brigade and the the police service were like three kids in high school then like the fire brigade would be like the funny attractive guy who's got good grades the ambulance service would be like the hot girl and then the metropolitan police is like constantly trying to be as funny as the fire brigade and also flirt with the hot girl like that's that's their vision of reality in relation to the other emergency services and that's how they view them because they want to be like as chad as the fire brigade is perceived in the british like psychosexual fantasy landscape and also they want to like get with their imaginary uh, imaginary ideal of, of like a healthcare service worker because they view yeah. them all as sexy nurses because they're a deeply yeah. conservative institution with really weird sexual hang- hang-ups, much like yeah. the rest of Britain. Oh my God, I mean, it's so horny. It's so on, the, on the note of like constantly posting remembrance tweets, um, when there's a great tweet here that I, I found, uh, which is by at Foxtrot, Foxtrot underscore cop. Which oh is a god, that's of... one of the weirder accounts. I yeah. followed, followed that one on the on the list that I made, and yeah, the Foxtrot talk, cop account is like kind of gives me this person is slightly dangerous vibes. Yes, well, yes, the um, well, this tweet that I found is particularly revealing because, firstly, it, it's a it's a remembrance tweet for an American police officer, so an NYPD police officer, and. I think what's most interesting about it is, firstly, it shows that when they run out of dead British cops, they'll go to memorialising American cops. But secondly, it's a retweet from an um, American sort of cop union, quote-unquote, uh, showing like a funeral possession for like a, an American cop. And this is a massive procession of like American cops in dress uniform like down the street as they like salute the body going by. And this tweet says, quote, Every step, every block, we are with him. He will not travel alone. The Americans definitely know how to honor their dead killed in the line of duty. RIP, officer such and such, NYPD. And the Americans definitely know how to honor their dead killed in the line of duty. That is, in my mind, so revealing of this fundamental thesis statement, which is British cops want what American cops have they want the worship they want like the state funeral when one of them like hits a tree in the night one of the things that ties into this is is that um like the the british cop online subculture kind of shows us that they feel as if they're being like fundamentally betrayed by the people yes 
Oh, don't worry, American cops feel the same way as well. Oh, they do, this they is, do. This, so, is, this is completely disproportionate to how much they're actually respected in society. There is like a perpetual victim complex, and I think that's common to all cops. Um, it just manifests slightly differently depending on the, the culture. Basically, any police force is going to have this, right? But they, they feel as if because they, they have it so tough and they're so important, um, and they've got like such such like unfairly restrained power and yet they want more power because they feel like they don't have enough they kind of like boil that down to having been fundamentally let down by the rest of society because the rest of society are like sheeple plebs who are constantly doing petty crimes and don't know what's good for them yes it's very it's it's like it's like a it's like a a a disappointed slightly obsessive paternalism that very much pervades this entire subculture yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, yeah, you're right. There's this whole sort of thing like, oh, they don't even appreciate us. Or it's more like, oh, like, we'll keep doing it anyway, but like, we, um, the public don't even know how we're keeping them safe. And you're just like, well, it can be difficult to see how <laughs> they are in many respects because some of it's just so, like, oh, God, it's just so weird. I also um, feel like I should mention I've just been trawling through the Foxtrot cop timeline and the, the the person running this account has posted a meme that's like a, a bear in a russian army uniform yes and I, was oh, I was hoping you would see that and yes. they're holding yes. massive sniper rifles and yes. the sniper rifles are pointed at ukraine and taiwan yeah no no it's not oh. just a bear it's like china is represented by a panda bear in a mouse suit holding a yes. sniper rifle which i should say would make if someone were to cut out an edit would make an incredible profile picture um they so basically these two like for these two like personas <laughs> have like their sniper rifles pointed at like ukraine and taiwan and the police the tweet reads in sort of the most weird sort of like mun like sort of reads the news as a hobby sort of energy says we can look inward all day and ignore the goings on outside our borders but we do so at our own peril hashtag threat and risk hashtag global stability yeah it's and like it's just this it's just this caricature like this very like telegram ass meme and it's like yes this has simultaneously said absolutely nothing and has also yes. revealed their entire worldview which is that everything is constantly in danger all the time and we need strong men yeah it's quite funny because that there are like oh god there's another one like two tweets down from that where he's complaining <laughs> about james bond being dead <laughs> oh no he's complaining about about um, Possibility of a woman being cast as, as James Bond. Yeah. Which oh. <laughs> is delicious. A fucking manufactured ass controversy that was entirely produced to bait idiots like this clicking on to click on news articles. Oh, God. It, it's so weird the, because there are some elements that are so desperately trying to be like American cop Twitter. Sure. But there but there's so some elements that are just so, so British and twee. Like you got the crying laughing emojis, you got sort of the, for what a better word, banter, and I mean that in the, with the, that word with the most contempt possible. Um, this is got... kind of what I was talking about earlier. In that, like the, the one of the other fundamental defining things of like the British police person is that they're incredibly pathetic. Yeah, there's there's so many so many of the these accounts which I was looking at, which were kind of more innocuous, didn't have any of that like weird like openly ultra reactionary falling for all of the like 
culture war bullshit stuff. So many of them were like desperately fawning over um, new people following them or like posting about how great it was to be appreciated by their boss and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh God. I do feel like they're, they're like as a profession, they are actually quite miserable. The, the one area in which all of their complaining about it being hard being a cop is is remotely accurate is that the mental health stats for the profession are actually really fucking terrible um which is one thing that contributes to the whole thing about um the horrendous levels of domestic violence that go on with the police within the police force and also the the like quite bad levels of interpersonal violence within the police force like between officers as well is that the job, although it's not directly dangerous to them in the way that they would like us to believe, it feels a lot more dangerous than it is, and it forces them to like go to great lengths of exertion, or for very short periods of time does. And because of this, they they get into these ridiculously stressful mindsets, and I feel like that constant mindset pressure essentially forces them into this kind of group insularity that just has this downward spiral where they just become worse and worse and worse people over time yeah it's, it's and you can see that in the way they talk about it there is this weird contradiction again it's like the, the residual bobbyism but they talk about it it's like they'll, they'll like post a picture of them out like doing some kind of outdoor cop shit like behind the wheel or like having made an arrest and they'll just say just another day at the office and like some fucking cry laughing emoji or whatever mm. um like yeah it's like it's like they're bad at they're bad at posting they're bad at like quite a lot of their hobbies they don't get to see their partners very much if they have one um one thing i found out is apparently like quite often um police officers won't like tell people who they've newly started dating that they're cops because they feel probably correctly that that's a highly socially unattractive attribute it's really weird like the way they have to dance around it but also i think these people are mostly these are british people who are over 30 years old i would assume that like being bad at posting is is kind of kind of a given uh yeah but they seem they seem like abnormally terrible at it Yes, that's true. I mean, it's, like, it's that they're on Twitter a lot of the time, but are still giving off like huge Facebook energy. Yes, yes. that's the best. Yeah, that is the best way of putting it. I think. Shall we discuss UK cop humor in more detail? Because there are a few posts that we flagged up. We should talk about UK cop humor and also like some of the weird little cultural tropes of the police as a as a little cultural unit. It is very much posting for a cop audience. I think one of the more egregious posts that we found was the um, this one from Cardiff, uh, South Wales Police. Uh, it's, it's a picture of a van that's been fucking totaled against like a traffic bollard uh, in some high street. Basically, what's happened is that a driver has failed a drug failed a drug test and has presumably tried to drive away. Um, whilst at the scene, another driver decided to film us, so was stopped and Drug White UK was administered. Also a positive result, also arrested. So basically, they arrested a guy for filming and gave him a drug test, and they happened to test positive. Um, UK cop humor responds with, can't beat a two for one. Well done, team. 
So it's just like as though this is like normal, this is like a, like an achievement for them. Um, and it's like, of course, I mean, it makes them look good, but this is the kind of style of posting. It's like, well done, team. And like, if there's any humor, it won't be like critical humor. It won't be weird, zany humor. It'll be like Facebook humor, as yeah, you said, eh? It is, it, yeah, it is literally just like, they have the humor of like, that one person who you know from school on Facebook. Yeah. And that is it. Or like, people who are constantly in like, oh, what they really remind me of is like if you ever join the Facebook group for your for your local area. Yes. And you have those yes. people who are just completely unfunny and also extremely annoyed about like extremely um petty local shit. Yes. Oh for sure. Matter. Um well I was gonna say that that person who you used to, used to know from school is now probably also a cop. So, you know, it's all comes full circle. I mean, it's that or an estate agent, yeah. <laughs> I mean, two, two cheeks, same arse, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, speaking of getting very, very annoyed about minor shit, um, we have a post, another post, which is uh, in video form, which is UK cop humour failing to see the funny side. Do you want to maybe walk us through this, A? So, so the text, this is part of a thread starting, starting with a video. And basically the video here is, there's two halves to it. The first half is this cop on his own, surrounded by a group of kids. Um, and basically they're just kind of hanging around trying to see what's going on. And the cop has this, has this kid pushed up against a wall and there's someone next to him basically just shouting why are you arresting him what are you arresting him for the, the kind of less eloquent way of doing the under what power etc stuff which you're actually supposed to do so basically just like you know standing around maybe being very slightly threatening possibly but no one's touching him and then just like genuinely asking the questions they're allowed to and then the second half of the video is the same kind of thing in that it's literally just a guy filming his side of a traffic stop and there's a there's a cop who i don't know if you've ever been if you've ever been stopped by the police and filmed them or filmed a police officer in this country they they have a very specific script and he does the script which is oh my uh my badge camera or whatever it's called is is filming basically saying oh so you don't need to be filming uh because they can't really tell you to not film yeah and he's just kind of trying to persuade this guy not to film and then and then this thread is framing this basically as like oh this is so this is so hard all these people are so hostile to us and don't understand don't understand that we're just trying to help people or like these are the worst parts of society that we interact with every day but normal people don't see it yeah but it's, it's just teenagers and i think the best part comes in the rest of the thread because the second tweet of this thread is seemingly being angry at like police seniors we're saying like if you believe that single crewing is safe efficient or in the interest of your staff then perhaps you should also be responding to incidents like this alone to reassure everyone that you're confident in your decision so it's like to be clear yeah this guy who is single crewing i'm guessing meaning just like being a single guy out on a call yeah just a one person patrol yeah 
he's fine. Yeah. No one is like no one's harmed. There's I like a... that in the first half of the video, the guy who's single crewing, the, the like the satanic mob of feral apes that are haranguing him are like twelve year olds standing around <laughs> talking. That's not loudly. that's not that's you're not exaggerating with the language there. The next tweet in the thing is as for the absolute feral wastes of oxygen in this clip. Like what I guess they're fourteen year olds. They're not even like they're not even rowdy. But it's, it, that tweet's great. We should read it in full. It's uh, as for the absolute feral wastes of oxygen in this clip, every single one of you should be identified and dragged out of your little pits to apologize to the rest of us for having to listen to the absolute shite that comes out of your feral little mouths. Like, so this is it's this is UK like, he wants to like drone strike just random teenagers because they happen to be talking next to a police officer. Yes, these aren't even are these him. kids aren't even like on are like literally just like a group of what like ten of like your average kids who you see maybe walking down the street or standing on a corner in like a shitty suburban area in like any town in this country. Yes, like. Have you have you have you two seen the replies to this thread? Um, I've seen a few. I'll read uh, out. I'll read out a couple. Um, I mean, a lot of it is the standard, just like fucking clapping emojis. In this day and age, single crews can never be safe. Any one of those scum could be carrying a knife. I have the utmost admiration and respect for the officers of today, but but then I was taught what respect was. <laughs> oh God, I found a good one. All these woke snowflakes take heed. This is what your nanny nanny pamby lack of discipline raising absent parenting of children is doing to society. We're doomed. Oh my god. They have no respect for the police whatsoever. In our childhood, we'd never speak to a copper like that. Nowadays, you nick them, they get released without charge or go to court and get told off. And the cycle goes on. What? This so is what's mad. the solution there? What's but the solution simultaneously there? in your day, also you could like set off fucking fertilizer bombs and no one would do anything. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, his day was presumably significant. Like, if he's talking that way, I can only assume that his... The way that him talking that way being legitimised, that he's at least 50. Because if not, then, frankly, that's stealing valour and that's fucking... (laughs) Yeah. Well, it also shows, like... Wait, no, I clicked on his profile. He's definitely not over 50. Oh my god, that's even worse. This is just some 40-year-old man. Like, he's just a Gen X guy. Oh, that's so... Well, this kind of goes to show, on UK cop tweets, unless it's something like a pathetic weed bust, they will never get any pushback in the replies. It's almost like a completely enclosed microclimate. I love it oh, when they do, they do like loot hauls of stuff that they've got in stop and searches or arrests, yeah. and it's like it's like a Swiss Army knife, a water pistol, and like a bunch of empty plastic bags, one of which has the remains of some weed in it, and it's their equivalent of like when the American cops like haul in like piles and piles and piles of like AR-15s with like huge huge bags of coke next to them, being like. Yeah, we had another fucking run in with the cartels. It was like, yeah. and then the UK equivalent of this is like, hi, we've re- we've raked in half a kilo of skunk and a pistol that was last used in 1870. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like just describe the TSG's entire social media presence. There's no pushback. It's entirely self-contained. Um, 
that could change. Perhaps the the good listeners of this podcast could go and um, I guess telling, show. I will say, I salute our boys in blue on social media. No, I'm just, I'm just I'm just saying that. Um, well, why the fuck not? I salute you, our um, friends. UK, UK, have... cop, UK cop humor clearly sometimes struggles to see the funny side. So maybe we could enlighten them with some uh, uh, banter or, or humor or such like. Uh, this would be a, a funny exercise. They do under love some of the more deranged. Yes, they, they love the word friends banter. who engage in that, who quote tweet them and entirely good naturedly take the piss out of them. Uh, shockingly, if you name your Twitter account after the very concept of killing police officers and then continuously quote tweet police officers, your Twitter account gets banned as one potential guest star for this show who later drops out. <laughs> Possibly, possibly banned several times. Banned several times. Shout out to that hero for getting banned for like basically being like a hardcore tw- like Twitter asshole, occasionally just posting nudes, and threatening to murder police officers. What a champ! See, we we need a memorial post for their accounts. That's what we need to get UK cop humor to tweet a memorial post. Yeah, you know, um, you know, you know that fucking uh, cop gravestone that's right next to Parliament that that um, white supremacist football lad pissed on during the Black Lives Matter protest. We need, we need that, we need that thing, but for our friend's Twitter account and exactly the same quantity of piss. Yes, because they like that sort of thing. Oh God, oh, fucks. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know if they do. I'm just making fun of them in absence. Uh... They're not here to defend themselves, but I, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair call. We should talk about the fact that all of these have thin blue line avatars, and yes, the general presence of thin blue line stuff in UK cop mindsets because we all know about the thin blue line. But I feel like it's worth noting that like British thin blue line stuff is a lot more neurotic. Yes, and it's a lot more neurotic. Firstly, this is a crossover with real life policing because loads and loads of cops wear thin blue line patches on their uniforms now in the UK. Right. That was not a thing. Any kind of personal decoration they're allowed. To yes, wear isn't like a like a, a tiny crucifix necklace or like a wedding yeah. ring or something. Yeah, and this is a more this is a development from the last decade because obviously. The thin blue line imagery, I think, really kicked off in the US because it was a deliberate, explicitly, effectively explicit response to Black Lives Matter. It was a symbol of this Blue Lives Matter slogan. And so for a start, it's, it's got this explicitly white supremacist origin. But I think the reason why in Britain it's more, and like the American cops are quite open about that. It is effectively the Blue Lives Matter flag in America has effectively replaced the Confederate flag as the default white supremacist signaling flag. The in Britain it's far more neurotic because British people will absolutely try and absolutely completely divorce themselves from the American Thin Blue Line Association. They'll they, try and completely depoliticize this like, this issue they of like protection. Genuinely claim officers. that it's like a different symbol, not in the sense that it like looks different, but they I've seen them claim that it yeah. comes from a different source. I was just like, no, it started no around the same time. Clearly, British cops pay attention to American cop media because they retweet it half the time. 
yeah because they're, like, they're, they are psychologically speaking the like they see themselves as being as being like the shitty inept younger brothers and they want to be as cool as big brothers yeah as their big brother which is yeah the- but they're also desperate not to be seen like not to be seen as bad as american cops like i feel like there is a there is this awareness that like people don't like american cops yeah and i think also mm. because because british cops see themselves as being hardened professionals they 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 perceive um, american police partially due to like just the nationalist rivalry between the us and the uk as being like slovenly oafs who who would never who would never pass the bar if they were over here in the uk doing proper policing like like we do because we're professional yeah and we, well, this, we don't we don't lose our rag at the slightest provocation. <laughs> yeah. Well, this this is actually an interesting crossover with the weird relationship that, like, the weird cultural relationship the British Army has with the American military, which I, I know. Um, I think the Trash Future people did an episode about this. I think with Joe Glenton, where they were talking about like. The British mentality is like compared to the Americans, like all oh, the Americans, they have all the technology, they have all the cool guns and like the high tech stuff. But British, the British army, and in this case, the British cops, we're not as well equipped, but we do it. We do it just as good because we're hard. We 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 like sort of shovel through the shit, and we, we have better discipline and we're smarter. And that and that's sort of the mentality. I feel so, like I feel like that's very perceptive. Like that's a hundred percent um like a, a, a shared a shared system of belief. Yeah. It's like it's shit. And again, that relates to the British men, the wider British mentality. Again, I think identified by by Milo from Trash Future, which is it's shit, it's supposed to be shit, and don't like it, there's the door. But um, also, but also that we are intellectually superior to the de- yes. de- degenerate imperial core. Yes. <laughs> Or that, or by extension, Americans need Americans need big guns to win. We can do it with our brains and with our shit equipment. Um, but I think we can talk more about this in a bit with the move to the armed police image in the UK. But should we talk a bit about other crossovers of American police culture first? And I see in the notes you've got down challenge coins. Okay, so yeah, for the listeners, what a challenge coin is, is it's like, it's like a little decorative, often enameled medallion. Like, like a, basically it's like a memorial token. And it will, it will commemorate or celebrate or, or have some kind of symbolic significance and it will have design on either side of it. And it's basically shaped like a kind of large coin. And they're really popular in the armed forces and the police, particularly in the US. Um, to the point at which someone made a whole a whole like research project out of cataloging all of the different challenge challenge coins that the New York Police Department has, and they've got some challenge coins of some absolutely insane stuff. And all of the police officers like trade these between each other, kind of like grown up Pokemon cards. Um, except instead of it being like pogs. yeah, it, or or pogs, or and instead of it, <laughs> <laughs> instead of it being like oh, this is a shiny Charizard, it's like. Here's the challenge coin that commemorates that time that we stitched up a community activist and got them sent to a mental health asylum for several months as punishment for investigating us botching an investigation. Yep. Or, or things of that nature. And there'll be like challenge coins for particular units. There's, there's a challenge coin for if you um, kill multiple people on the job, I believe. Yeah, there is, yeah. 
recording. I think that's mentioned in the um in Alice's uh firearms cop autobiography thread. Oh uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about this in a second, but uh esteemed poster. Uh, Alice Avazandam has produced much content regarding the police, uh, including reading several autobiographies by British police officers, which are all as banal and unhinged as you could imagine. Oh, they're um, delicious. They're, I, I was like stunned when I read these threads. They've been up for a couple of years now, I think, and they're just like, there's so much going on with them. Anyway, challenge coins. So yeah, challenge coins, these little like tradable tokens that cops fucking love because they're like status symbols and they're part of like the in-group culture. And while in the US, challenge coin culture is just like completely off the deep end, like here's your challenge coin that you get once you're friends with enough KKK members is basically like the level that they're at now. I mean, I just made that one up, but I would not be surprised. If yeah. There are some horrifically racist imagery on some challenge coins, particularly ones about involvement in like the response to like certain historical urban riots i know the nypd has a bunch for like some of the riots in harlem in like the 80s and so forth and it's just like and the la riots as well have some horrific challenge coins yeah so the the uk cops obviously also have these because you know it's just spread as a piece of policing culture and um they're boring say, about it. Yeah, they're a lot more in much the same way that everything that is like off the wall and completely whack shit about the US is like boring in the UK. This is 100% an example of that because UK police challenge coins, as far as I can tell, having only kind of like dipped my toe into the research of this, they're all just like dull as fuck. And it'll be like, hi, here's the challenge coin that you got for policing an XR protest campaign. <laughs> Does the challenge coin come with like the, the, the hourglass logo? I mean, I just, <laughs> I just made that up, but it 100%, oh. I, I would 100% believe that that was a thing. I'm gonna look up. I mean, I mean the, the thing which brought this to our attention is, is that that one account. Uh, Fuck me, asking... you could just buy them from the new Scotland Yard shop. That's oh, not how this works. That's fucking bullshit. You went oh. to get them in Wait, so they're official. Let's get some. I'm getting one. I mean, a great business venture, which one could hypothetically do, not that we're endorsing quite well, legal activity on this podcast, well. is make your own fake ones uh, and sell them to uh, gullible cops or to That's your friends. Not illegal. It's not illegal to make, to make challenge coins. It's just tourist memorabilia. Yeah. You're not defunding well, the police by making a challenge coin, even if the challenge coin has... Yeah, no, they're literally listed on this website as spoof coins. Oh, God. Oh, oh they have to say that because otherwise they might be accused of forging currency. Uh... Wow, this is a really ugly one as well. The, the Metropolitan Police like normal challenge coin is like one of the most shit pieces of design I've ever seen in my life, which fully fits with the Met Police aesthetic. Um, in which you kind of look like a, a waiter from a greasy spoon cafe because they've kind of got this like black and white checked tie that they all have to wear and they look like fucking pricks. See, police Scotland just look like fascists because they don't have white part of the uniform. They just got black t-shirts and like black trousers and then the stab vest. Yeah, they so either it's... look like fascists or PE teachers, which is basically... <laughs> 
the reason yes, why so. this came to our attention was basically f- because one of them was was complaining about how he went up to COP26 and didn't get the challenge challenge coin for policing it and was like asking around to see if anyone had a spare one to give him. Yeah, so like people so, yes. trade these between each other. So if someone's if someone's like it, it's it's a hundred percent just Pokemon cards for adults. Yeah, I kettled a hundred young Communist League members, and all I got was was this stupid coin. Okay, there is not one hundred. There is no. There is not one hundred <laughs> young Communist League people in Scotland. That's mad. No, no, this was Look this was that kettle. They they got everyone up from England. Anyway, um, before we. Uh, get into intra-life discussion i think um should we talk about should we talk about that account the lego account okay so this is another uh, area of like weird british cop twee twitter bullshit yeah. there is a there is a twitter account which i have a theory about which is was it is it brick cop yes it's at brick underscore cop Right, and this person's whole shtick is that they've acquired some unholy amount of very, very specific Lego pieces, and they use these Lego pieces to assemble little dioramas of emergency service workers going about their business, and they post high-definition photos of, of all of their Lego stuff. Um, and frankly, this is the only relatable thing I've ever seen a police officer do in my life, because I would do this. By emergency services, I should clarify that about 90% of this is police officers, and all said police officers, about 50% are heavily armed. And yeah, this is or just really have sh- loads of shit, like just like a million walkie-talkies and like a motorbike that's got a rocket on the back, bollocks like and that. And the ones which aren't police officers are like heavily armed actual military like soldiers. Yes just desperately trying to make it seem as though they're the same thing and like on the same level yeah but what's so striking about it is that like firstly so when i was a kid like lego that had any military stuff in it it was like really old-fashioned looking so it would look like something from a film so it would would be like maybe like cowboys and, and something you'd have this like sort of comical revolver model these are like detailed lego models of like ar-15s with like the four grips and the scopes and like modern style kevlar helmets i'm just like the reason i was fascinated by this account aside from the very weird twee posting and the the lego aspect which is a very bizarre thing to devote your online life to um not knocking lego of course but like doing cop posts find the medium of lego is a very strange thing um but it's the fact that this is so indicative of a wider thing in british police culture where they're increasingly viewing themselves as heavily armed and armored i think we should also discuss um this one little diorama they made of a, a lego character that's been murdered and is being crime scene investigated it's 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 bananas there's like a lego character wearing like a lego like the lego character's top is like a hawaiian shirt basically and they've got like a lego knife embedded in their little lego legs that's not embedded in their leg that's embedded straight in his ass 
Yeah, yeah I was gonna say. <laughs> like killed by Lego knife wound to arse. And then in the background, there's an extremely scowling crime scene investigator holding a Lego camera. There's like so much work went into not only staging this, but also editing the photo so that there was nighttime style lens flare. Oh, and also they edit all of these all of these photos to always make it look like it's slightly wet. I feel like there's a, there's like a deep there's a deep degree of like I am in a TV show my life is like a TV show and that is how I have justified photoshopping a taser onto my Lego models. <laughs> well, that's kind of another thing because it that is very much in line with the increased sort of heavy saturation of armed police in British like police TV. I mean, also we've seen stuff like Bodyguard, Line of Duty. Right, when, like, pre- yeah. day, when it's become, becoming increasingly militarised, armed police are still like a really quite small portion of policing. And they're yes. really, really pushing to expand it, and like, it's still minuscule. Yeah. And the thing is, again, British cops want what American cops have. British cops in Britain consistently in surveys want more tasers, they want more weapons, they want beat cops to have pistols. And so you can see that coming through. And it makes me wonder how much coordination there is between police services and stuff like the BBC or like ITV who make these yeah, like, I was thinking police procedurals. Earlier, you know, there's that thing where in the US, if you use military hardware. Yeah. The, the military will lend it to you but make sure that you always give them a good rap yes I mean, it I'm reminds, not me, it reminds me of how like um you know stargate so stargate is so, is so like tied into the air force's um like pr campaigns in the late 90s and the early 2000s there's like multiple episodes where like full like general staff officers from the air force appear as guest stars in stargate <laughs> God, can you imagine Cressida and Dick appearing in Line of Duty? That would be fucking incredible because any time a member of the of the Metropolitan Police gets on TV, they're like they are like not only wooden, they're wooden to a, like an incredibly studied degree. Mm, yeah, I think there is a somewhat of a PR thing going on. And I think I don't think it's progressed to that level. Definitely deliberate because it's it's not the kind of woodenness that people do when they're like awkward and nervous and don't have media training. And just, yeah. just ah yes and then I did the thing. It's 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 like a very, very like trained blandness. And it I feel yeah. like it's a variation it's a... on how they're taught to speak in court. Yeah, it it comes across as though it's meant to look like kind of reassured like assured uh professionalism and like no shit taking yeah and like with with the gun thing as well like there has been a really rapid uptick in some of these shows like uh there's one that came out i think just the other day at the time of recording called the trigger point which is it seems to be like a spiritual successor to line of duty but it's about the counter-terrorism on police um and there was also that documentary that's on Netflix that we, so I think we, we watched like one or two episodes from called Armed and Deadly, which is a horrendous piece of cop stenography for like Britain's bravest at the end of a firearm, you know. Right. So I watched this yesterday and like the first episode was, was 
fucking hilarious because yes it's, it's basically like a rundown of all the major press incidents that british firearms officer were officers were involved in in the early 2000s so like they'll cover like the 7-7 bombings and like uh john charles Menezes, but also they had to cover raul moat <laughs> and <laughs> i lost my shit when this happened because i'd forgotten how fucking funny the raul moat confrontation was and for, for context, what happened is that Raoul Moat was like a petty criminal in a small British town with like severe problems in his personal life. And basically he got, I think, a shotgun, like a sawn off shotgun and went and killed his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend under the mistaken belief that he was a police officer and that because the police had also in various other ways contributed to ruining his life this was yet another part of how the cops were ruining his life and forcing him his life to be terrible and he was going to go out in a blaze of glory um the person who he killed um he also killed his ex-girlfriend so like this person is not like not a hero in any way whatsoever the person who he killed who wasn't his ex-girlfriend his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend was not a cop he basically just went and shot two completely innocent people um because he was in a, on a like a delusional misogynistic rampage but after that happened um he then went on like there was then like a protracted manhunt that lasted for several days because he was in the middle of like some rural district of england the cops yeah. could not find him and they had to deploy like dozens and dozens of firearms officers and launch like a like a hunt like multiple hundreds of officers um, wide manhunt across like quite a wide area of the country to find this guy and he also during this process ambushed and assassinated at least one or two more police yeah and in between doing this he was like phoning up 999 and being like uh, uh, like the, his actual like the things that he was saying during this are I'm sorry fucking hilarious it's so so funny because and I'll just get I'll just get the screen cap. Um, what he was saying was shit like, uh, "Hello there, this is the gunman from Berkeley last night." <laughs> and also, my name is um, my name is Raoul Moat. Hello, this is Raoul, the Berkeley gunman, in this very bland voice, me like, oh, I've just shot one of your police officers and I'm going to kill again. Why, thank you. I'm going to hang up now. And then he'd like call back a few hours later being like, hi, this is the gunman again. I downed another one of your police officers and I'm never going to stop. <laughs> That's almost British. I mean, I hate leaning into the sort of British twee stereotypes, but that is like... American American like cop cop killers could never. That's that's just a very I feel like British to... way of conducting like a, a rampage. Is it, is, it, is it I feel like we need to mention another part of this which you've left out so far, which is Paul Gascoigne. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk about Gaza just briefly. <laughs> I'm not very familiar with football, whereas whereas you you two are, so maybe you take this. <laughs> Because this is also fucking hilarious and very much illustrates like the British attitude to the police, which is that most people think that they're fucking clowns. Hey, could you maybe elaborate on, on the Gaza situation? Uh, sure, I... yeah, yeah. So if you don't know who Paul Gascoigne is, he's called Ga everyone calls him Gaza. Uh, he he used to be 
a really he used to be a really big football player he was big in like the national team um but he was completely off the rails and did like loads of coke was an alcoholic etc um and then when at this point he was like a middle-aged man um so one night during this he took a like there's a there's a there's a thing actually but you like he didn't interview about it and like described each of the steps in doing this where he just like did a bunch of drugs was really drunk and then saw the guy on tv and was like oh i'm gonna go help this guy out because i think he needs my help and then drove to the police lines with like some beers and a rotisserie chicken from the supermarket (laughs) And like, got the police to give them to Raumo. It's actually probably one of the most useful things that anybody did in this entire thing. Um, I should. Okay, I have the Wikipedia up for this particular incident. It says, "Does it? it um, Am I right about there being a fishing rod?" Yes. 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 I remember remember the fishing rod being reported at the time. So it says like like a child when this happened. So, so Gascoigne said he claimed to be Moat's brother. What? And and stated that he had brought him quote a can of lager, some chicken, i.e., a rotisserie chicken, a fishing rod. A Newcastle FC shirt and a dressing gown. So, um. Okay, was the logic behind the dressing gown like, well, if he's going to put on this Newcastle FC shirt, he's going to need some dignity while he's changing clothes. So he should probably put on the dressing gown in between. What? What? But yes, this was a profoundly weird moment for the British psyche. Um, I mean, Gaza is a weird man. Yes. Oh my god. Um, anyway, returning, returning briefly, <laughs> briefly to reality. <laughs> uh, uh, should, we t- should we should we briefly mention the cop books? Uh, we'll get we'll get to the cop books in a second. Uh, so yeah, th- so uh, armed and dangerous. The police show that we started talking about is fucking sorry. Armed and deadly. Sorry. Armed and deadly is is fucking hilarious because it's it's the absolute pinnacle of like discovery channel type drama mentory where where it's like police officers in england face danger every day of their lives we're going deep undercover with the met to see how they do it day to day we'll be on the ground with our officers and and then they'll like interview uh, an extremely bland rather stockily built man in a very boring looking blue button-up shirt being like well unfortunately sometimes when you're a firearms officer you have to kill people and that's very (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty much no the one of the most telling moments was um in the narration actually it was when they briefly mentioned Jean Charles de Menezes. Right. They completely, now, like, they mentioned it because they have to mention it, but it was one of the shortest bits of the episode. And it really yes. stood out. And the, the way they glossed over it was so violent in a way. It was like. It was like no, they were speeding past so, okay. something unpleasant on the motorway. Yes. Like, okay, so for, for context, particularly for non British listeners, 
Jean Charles Menezes. So in the aftermath, there was an attempted terrorist series of terrorist bombings um, conducted by five people on the London sort of tube and transport system in summer two thousand and five. Um, and some of them, it was, it was, some of them were successful, and some of them weren't. Um, yeah, well, it was just after the seven seven bombings, so like everyone was on high alert. Um, and what happened was the police found where the suspects were, and they did have to shoot one or two, but they arrested most of them alive. And that's the subject of this main part of the, the Armed and Deadly sort of first episode. But um, in the process of finding these suspects, they also stumbled across a man who lived in the same block of flats who the police mistook for one of them. It was this guy called Jean-Charles de Menezes. He was uh, from Brazil uh, and he was mistaken by the police um, for one of the guys. So when he went into a tube station, I believe it was in North London somewhere, uh, basically armed police officers chased him and with a live feed to a situation room, in which senior met Metropolitan Police staff, including Cressida Dick, were there and made the final call, they shot and killed this innocent man in a tube station. And the documentary just completely glosses over it. Um, it was a real... I mean, it was a real political embarrassment for the firearms unit of the Met, but it was also just like a... It's just something that they want to gloss over for obvious reasons, and it's, it was so violent that this this show just completely failed to talk about it. I feel like um, this is the kind of thing that we would normally read out like a content warning at the beginning of the episode for, but a a, a, a post facto investigation, like I think, conducted significantly after it, I think, revealed that in the process of shooting Jean Charles de Menezes. The, the firearms officer who was the principal shooter on the scene shot him multiple times in the head while he was prone on the floor. Using a specific kind of bullet. No, they use hollow points. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's it, it was a horrific incident. And the thing is, the Met, the, particularly the armed cops, for obvious reasons, have a particularly nasty record for killing people uh, and killing innocent people or killing people without without in what's often found to be like not like sufficient probable cause um but also it's worth noting that like sorry on you go to to be clear yeah when we when we say like they have a thing for killing people and then it's and then there's a there's a history of then nothing being done about it like when was the last time a police officer was found guilty of like misconduct or murder in relation to killing other, someone other than cousins i think very very few people would be able to yeah. name one it does happen occasionally um there's been a, there's been a spate of arrests in the metropolitan police in particular over the last few years particularly in relation to like political extremism and like reading between the lines it's very clear that there is some kind of massive internal investigation campaign because they're shit scared about their public image mm. but they don't they don't um they don't they, they they will investigate after like an officer involved shooting or whatever they call it i think it is mandatory that there's some form of investigation but that it never finds any wrongdoing well yeah that's also mandatory yeah yeah no i mean that is i guess one commonality and american listeners in particular will 
recognize the, the commonalities. Like, yeah, police here, contrary to the Bobby and the Beat image, police here do kill people a lot, and they do kill people with deadly weapons. Um, the and yeah, the, the often there, there will have to be investigations, but it goes nowhere. Uh, and this is this is extremely common. And, it's, and because of the centralization and lack of local accountability of the police, it's actually sometimes even harder to find out anything about like what's going on within the police force uh, compared to say like small town American cops. I think there's perhaps more a uh, perhaps more accurate comparison would be between like say the Mets and like the NYPD or the LAPD or the Chicago PD. Yeah. It's like these large the British police I think behave more like organizationally behave more like these large American like city police forces. Yeah, definitely. Um I've just checked the Wikipedia article for the shooting of Jean Charles de Menezes. Mm-hmm. Um and basically there were conflicting witness reports and police reports of the initial shooting. Um they didn't let the family of Dimenezes see his body, um, but his cousin managed to push her way into the. Um, or is it, I'm not. It, it doesn't actually specify what gender the cousin is. It just says Alex Pereira. Um, his cousin managed to push push their way into the morgue and said that it appeared that he had been shot from, through the back of the neck because his mouth was heavily twisted by wounds. Jesus. And also, and also uh, the final reports concluded that he'd been shot a total of eight times seven of the bullets being towards the head oh god it's it's, it's it was it was a brutal brutal moment yeah me. which is which is and so the thing is is that this kind of ties into something else which is that the the internal life of the firearms officers in particular is is on display in a very, very peculiar way in, in terms of the way they write. And we see this in their posts, but also because they've written fucking books about it. Yeah, that was my favourite bit about the show, actually, because uh, Armed and Deadly, because, like, for the first time ever, they're opening up about their experiences. Like, no, they've all written books. Yeah, I was like, this was my, this was my big thing about it. It's like, the, <sighs> as soon as the narrator in Armed and Deadly said that, I was like, hold on, these guys talk about this all the time. <laughs> They love talking about it. They particularly love talking about how difficult it is to pull the trigger, but also difficult not to. And it's like, okay, I mean, I feel like you're talking about how you have a public masturbation fetish. Like, I mean, they do always use those single point slings that make the gun hang between their legs perfectly. I see we're both looking at the same, the same Twitter thread. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's time to talk about the Alice Twitter thread, isn't it? Well, I think the other thing is that an obvious point of like difference between Britain and America more generally is that the in Britain, one of basically the two jobs that you can get where you can like legally have like an assault firearm is about your person is an armed cop or a soldier those are basically the only two jobs where you can actually get access to like a a serious firearm so you can see why that might really get to like armed cops heads whereas in america you could theoretically just get one for yourself if you have the money like like, so assault assault weapons are really quite cheap in america and like out of 
not out of my disposable income, but it would not take me too long to save up money from my day job salary to buy a functional machine gun, which is, mm. yeah. And like over here, acquiring it legally would probably take more than a decade worth of like professional oh. institutional. Oh, you, 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 in Britain, you cannot acquire but you can't you can't acquire one as a civilian at all what i mean is yeah like, you'd have to be like not only a cop but you'd have to be like a spotless track record cop who's very very like committed to the job and is constantly volunteering for the most batshit duties and also continuously passes the psych evaluations which although to be fair we have discovered don't work i started reading the the alice thread about the um, what's this guy's name uh sergeant harry tanji i guess yes sergeant harry tanji's book which is the thing we we're going to talk about next and in one of the in one of the bits so he he goes from he like starts describing his early childhood life about like how as a 12 year old he was constantly making pipe bombs out of scaffolding um and oh, i love this one yeah <laughs> which to be fair is incredibly cool um and then he starts talking about um how he really, really enjoyed killing rabbits as a child. And there's oh. an ended series of paragraphs about him, like, reading between the lines, although he's, like, describing it quite boringly, uh, clearly had, like, a bit of a, a sadist thing about hunting down and killing rabbits. Uh, and then, um, always wanting to take things one bit further... I decided to make a pencil case for school out of one of the rabbit skins. Google not being available and really not being too bothered to go to the library. I decided that recalling something about using salt was all I needed to know. Oh my God. <laughs> he just like rubbed some salt in some raw rabbit skin and then sewed it together. Imagine if that was your dad. Jeez. Anyway, needless to say... <laughs> immediately started like decaying and he was walking around school smelling of corpse but i'm sorry i'm just staring at this in like open mouth silence because it's so fucking disgusting <laughs> oh my god just, like according, rubbed according some salt into it and was like yeah physically rubbed salt into this rabbit skin that he had personally skinned and just had it on his person for a month in school as a 13 year old child insisting to his friends that this was a cool thing to do i see what you mean about the psych evaluations what like this is true crime stuff this is what they say about son of sam what (laughs) am i looking at yeah, but this is the thing, UK cop media, it all tells on itself. It tell they're telling on themselves so hard that the way they think and like the way they sort of like perceive their own job and what they want their job to be, it's so blatant. It's just so it's just so jarring, I think. Because it's also being told in such a weird, boring British boomer way. He does look, he, he's got an extreme case of English man face as well. <laughs> like, he's not quite mind-bendingly ugly, but he's not quite normal looking either. There's something going on with his facial structure from too much over-exaggerated smiling, but also too much stern manliness. And it's warped his soul. Yeah, it's, it's, here, on the, it's... here on the podcast about anti-fascism, we rely heavily on phrenology. Yes. 
<laughs> this guy does have a weird face. Oh my god, uh, there's a bit there's a bit in the in the fucking book about how he likes using Twitter. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. I had tweeted a comment basically telling people where I was and that I just caught someone using their iPad whilst driving over a pedestrian crossing. The answer came back from the Twitter sphere. You're just a tax collector for the government. Which is true. That is that is what he's there for. That is revenue work, mate. Like you are just conducting the approved of shit muggings. He, and he's then, more then serious he, like... about this than he is about like talking about his actual job as a firearms officer. I believe that, I believe that Harry Tanji, like if we're going to scroll down a bit, oh, there is a slightly sad bit actually where he's talking about like how shit his married life is and the fact that he's got like PTSD. Yeah, that does actually sound kind of bad. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, uh, it makes me think of um, Amy Césaire talking about how like colonialism is obviously horrific for the, the colonized, but it's also does terrible things to the mind of the colonizer. It turns the colonizer into like a violent barbarian where previously they might have been like a, a normal, well-adjusted, intelligent person. Like the act of being an armed officer, and indeed being an officer, because there are plenty of other police officers have the opportunity to kill and get away with it. Like it turns you, it completely fucks your mind. It really warps. I do genuinely think it really warps your your worldview in a way that you know there's a you know hashtag job like no other. It really, really like not many other forms of state violence can. You know. Okay, so I so I think like we've got a few hot takes about like how the the cop mentality crystallizes, and one is what I call. Sees hot fuzz theory of the British cop. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so I thought of this because I have met someone uh, in like my adult life who became who joined Police Scotland because they saw hot fuzz and they took it seriously. Which is uh, fucking nuts because Hot Fuzz is it, it like is a, a film about everything we've been talking about, which is the, yes the patheticness of British rural life and the patheticness of the British police. Yes, I mean that's the whole like the whole satire of Hot Fuzz is putting like American buddy cop action film tropes into a British rural cop setting. I mean, like the whole point is like Bad Boys Two. Yeah, or, I, like Point Break, both great, both great action films. Both and and like and the thing is like Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and like um, I forget the fucking director's name. The that whole the, the film was written with that in mind. That it was meant to be jarring. The problem is because a certain strain of the kind of British people who become cops are completely allergic to actual like humor or intelligent like satire. They saw this and they thought oh it's like how this is great it's about how like british bobbies are like able to like british bobbies like they can sort things out by becoming like action heroes or whatever it's like never mind that nick angel is actually meant to be extremely good at bobby style policing and it's meant to show that like he actually gets fucked up with the one time he has to use firearms but he is actually good at this community policing by consent 
and then like he only sort of like resorts to weapons when it's absolutely unavoidable at the end of the film. Uh, but it's like the people on cult Twitter, they just want the guns. I do feel the, I do feel like becoming a policeman because you saw Hot Fuzz and thought it was sick is kind of like moving to Scotland because you like train spotting. Yeah. Oh, but this person moved to Scotland from England and then joined Police Scotland. Did they also see train spotting? I mean, uh, I I assume so. Did they also did they also watch um, Fight Club and think that it was like about? Um, I've lost that. Uh, I, I did not get I did not get far enough into the conversation with them uh, to establish whether they saw Fight Club. I do but, find I do find the, the the tantalizing prospect of a policeman whose sole motivating core philosophy is what the latest blockbuster he saw was about to be like kind of hilarious and also very very suitable because it does kind of fit the extremely mechanistic and simplistic worldview that a lot of these people seem to have. I mean, I did literally see one of them when I was scrolling through stuff earlier praising American Sniper. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder. That's just this just made me think like what what kind of worldview would a cop who who has that mindset who last saw Dune what kind of worldview would they have, you know? I I don't want to know what Frank Herbert <laughs> but a cop. <laughs> Christ. Jesus. Oh god. Okay, yeah. So like the UK, like the UK hot fuzz cop theory is that um basically like the thing that that drives American cop mentality, and you see this happening on you see this like shining through on Twitter, is they want to be American like American like rural stormtrooper hyper Nazi cyber cops with like a million different bits of, of of like helmet goggles and like they're constantly carrying an AR fifteen and like pointing wearing like little like tactical gloves and loads and loads of spray painted black army surplus gear like that's that's effectively like the, the idea is that they they're constantly dreaming of this and they're they're like stultified by their real life environment which is that they're plodding around fining people for speeding occasionally failing to arrest someone for domestic assault and battery and the rest of the time it's like oh there's been another graffiti near the church yeah i mean have you have you read the stuff about um because basically that's they're just doing the the British version of the whole like operator aesthetic, which the Americans have decided that they love. That whole thing of like, there was that look which became really popular um, during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars um, of the like, especially the PMC guys who were like allowed to grow out the beards and like customize their gear and stuff. And yeah, then, like, yes. turned into the whole tactical thing. One thing like, I particularly remember about this was in in one of the multitudes and multitudes of of leaks that came out about American military misconduct in Afghanistan um, was that there was like one particular special forces unit where like one of the guys in it was like quite rich and influential within the service, but was actually like quite a shit soldier. And the way that he like bought his way into the unit was quite kind of like via begging favors. And when he got there. Like his big thing to like get him into the social circle of this extremely hardcore special forces unit was that he bought them all tomahawk axes. <laughs> oh, I also saw I also saw one of the cops who I was looking through the account of posting. Has anyone been to this axe throwing place? Is it any good? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! 
we'll expect to see like fucking tactical axes in the in the loadout of your your sort of match your met like cyber cop in 2030 or something. Oh, do they get a special badge for that like the taser training or okay no, we should talk <laughs> about the training badge guy because that also ties into into like badge and patches uh military uh american like f- following the trend stuff because like there was this thing with one of the most recent protests in the uk where there was a protest in manchester and not only was a cop photographed wearing a badge which was ostensibly connected to him being trained to use a taser, but also that badge is nearly identical in design to the badge of the British Union of Fascists in that it's like a circle with a with a line thunderbolt in the middle. Yeah. But it, also it's, the it's same- plausibly different enough that you could show yeah, that to someone changed, and they would be like, eh. the color scheme and the scaling very, very slightly. But the more the more um incriminating one, in my opinion, is the is the Polish home army. Yeah, it's the Polish nationalist one. And it's like it's not just that it's like um a flag that delineates like a particular like ethnic loyalty or or nationalism, which is definitely not permitted according to cop uniform rules. It's also extremely obscure and denotes like a particular brand of political militarism within like the, the Polish nationalist tradition. And it's weird as shit that that guy was able to get away with it. Like it's already kind of sus enough that police officers get away with wearing the thin blue line thing because of its political heritage. And they kind of like weasel worded their way out of that one. There's, in theory, very strict rules about how the cops can present themselves when they're on duty. Like, they, they used to not be allowed to have any tattoos that were visible. Yeah. That's Nowadays, they, yeah, it's yeah. They also have, like, weird facial hair rules as well for a while. Like, yeah. uh, n- nowadays you see loads of cops with beards. Were you guys around for the original hipster cop? Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. The... I feel God, this... like, I, I do feel like there's a lot more like muscly beard gym guys in the cops than there are in the rest of the population by head, you know? Yeah. And it does I feel like that also ties into this um operator aesthetic thing that they're chasing. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that a bunch of them are wearing Punisher t-shirts under their uniforms. Oh god, definitely, definitely. Particularly yeah. like the territorial support group guys. Oh, oh yeah, those they're, guys are... they're, they're horrific. I mean My... I have a personal vendetta against them, but I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to not have had particularly personal run-ins with TSG, but like, I like I see them around uh, like Whitechapel High Street all the time, just like harassing people. And like, for non-British, non-London listeners, Whitechapel is like a very visibly Muslim Bangladeshi area. It's like one of those sort of, it has the largest mosque in the UK. Uh, and you just got all these fucking TSG vans going up and down the street. And it's just like, it's so heavily policed. And be like, clear, normally, the TSG are not, uh, are not supposed to be a normal patrol. Yes, exactly. You normally only see them at protests because they are a crowd control unit. Well, they, uh, so they do, they do protests or football do, matches. Like, they do protests, they do football matches, and they do uh, drug raids. Yeah, oh, yeah, the T- the TSG uh, it stands for Territorial Support Group, and they're like a specialised subunit of policing in the UK. Um, and they they got a few hundred officers. They're one of the most like heavily trained and skilled uh, in terms of their their like 
being allowed and, and having been trained to do specific things, units of the police. They cover a lot of bomb disposal stuff. They cover counter-terrorism raids, um, a lot of like frontline counter-extremism stuff is devolved to the TSG um, and they're they're used as kind of like a special dispatch force to like trouble like trouble hotspots, particularly public order things like yeah like like, yeah. like particularly large football matches or protests. There, there will be TSG presence, and you will if you're out protesting, as I hope many of the listeners are, um, then their vans are the dark blue ones, and they often have slightly different uniforms to ordinary beat cops. If it's a particularly rowdy situation, they'll they'll be wearing dark blue jumpsuits. And uh, like armored baseball caps, as opposed to normal headwear and high vis. Although they do sometimes wear high vis, and occasionally yeah. bother to put on their big helmets. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, the TSG officer was um, was one of the was one of the cops who killed Ian Tomlinson. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to mention this actually when we talked about uh, armed cops because this is a thing. While armed cops keep getting lionized in British media. You see very little talking about TSG, and like you see very few shows where like you have characters in the TSG role or in a riot control or crowd control role, and I think that's because there, there have been some very high-profile killings of people in crowd control situations in Britain, like Ian Tomlinson, uh, and before and throughout the eighties there were a lot of these. Um, and it was it was just interestingly the yeah. American, the Americans also have their equivalent of this, which you would think they might not necessarily bother to do. But um, the the NYPD has this subdivision called the Special Response Group, I think. Yeah, which is really infamous. Like they've got a reputation for like basically torturing prisoners, um, mm-hmm. and they're they're particularly nasty. Um, we're kind of getting to the point where we should wrap up the episode, so I want to I want to finish yes. last, the yes. last like, couple of hot takes. Uh, my hot take is that the fundamental driving force of of British like police psyche stuff is that they're miserable. Um, like they're 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 like very emblematic of the miserable aspects of living in Britain. Um, a lot of their job they don't consider fun; they consider it extremely boring. They're frustrated that they don't get enough like glory about it, and also that they have to live in the same like humdrum post-council estate world as everybody else because they know that they should be considered to be slightly more elite than they are, and that everybody kind of makes fun of them and thinks that they're a bit crap. And as a result, because of this, combined with the fact that they've got like rather full-on jobs, they don't get to have much of an inner life. So whenever they're like expressing themselves culturally or interpersonally, it's always in this extremely like drab shit basic bitch way where like their fun thing that they're doing is like having their weird Twitter account or it'll be like watching Love Island. And as a result, they're just like extremely dull, boring people. And the only exciting shit they get to do is in their jobs. And as a result of a combination of that and resenting the general public, it makes them even more prone to like really like bullshit acts of violence that are like extremely minor and petty and often quite bureaucratic, such as uh, like coming up with some completely mm-hmm. fictitious excuse to strip search someone for asking them while, why they're arresting some random guy. 
which was a news story right now. Yeah, which is a news yeah. story right now. They just had to was it apologize or financially compensate someone? Yes, I think they didn't actually apologize for strip searching her. They okay, they, they didn't apologize for strip searching her, but they apologized for misogynist language that occurred during the enforced strip search, which would which was administered after this woman. Um, started i think videoing an arrest which she felt that was being conducted in a dodgy manner i can't remember the specific, the specific yeah manner. but ba- basically reading between the lines like they use police powers to sexually assault someone hey do you have any particular conclusions about the wretchedness of the pc plots i guess one of my big takeaways from this is when i was a when i was a teenager i wanted to join the army and i basically got there because I read all of these biographies of, you know, Andy McNabb, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, do flew Apaches in Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Ed Macy, right? Yeah, that's his name. Yeah. And then I went to cadets and I fucking hated it. Uh, and I feel like a good number of cops are basically like that, where they did all that and then they were 19 and then they became a cop and then they were like wait this fucking sucks and i hate this and everyone hates me and everyone just like is a bit shit and it's really boring and you're just in this like really rigid structure which you're and then just but they just can't leave for some reason because they're too deeply attached to it as like a fundamental part of who they are like that is their main identifier as a person is being a cop and always wanting to be a cop. I mean, also, they might not just, like, feel as if they have very ob- very many obvious options, because Britain is, like, very fundamentally right now uh, a country where there's not much opportunity to use a sort of liberal catchphrase. I mean, yeah, if you're not going to uni, uh, it's it's that, or get a job yeah. at Spoons. Yeah, you're either you're either you're either working in a cafe or you're in uni or you're or you're or you're rich or your life is extremely shit. I mean, that's the thing. Like, a, a police career is potentially a career still. It's one of the few jobs where you can basically work for the same institution for life and potentially get promoted to quite a high and potentially quite decent salary bracket. Um, Spoons does not offer that. As working for Asda or Tesco or Sainsbury's does not offer that. Like, it's just, yeah, I think there is something fundamentally like wretched in, in like a lot of these people's lives. And it's not to make people feel, not to make us feel sorry for them because there's plenty of other people who have shit lives who don't become cops. And that's important to remember. Um, but it's, it's just like, I think part of the reason for this increasing drive towards sort of, we want the guns, we want to be like American cops, we want that like cool action movie shit is because like, that's like in their minds, that'll be their, aside from all the politics of it and like the politics of fear and paranoia that's growing among, among police forces is that like, the, the weapons they think, the, all the armor, all the kit, they think will be a solution to their boredom and will be a solution to like some of the more fundamental problems of like stagnation they're facing in their jobs, which is just fundamentally, I mean, fundamentally, we know these weapons will not, more, more incarceration, more 
guns will not solve these problems and it won't make them any more like any less bored either as we can see from american cops so like i think that's part of the drive towards it uh i think i do kind of feel like they they just really wish that their lives were more fun because they they've attempted to escape the banal contradictions of, of british normal person political existence and they can't and they're very frustrated by that and they want to do cool shit and they already have access to a minuscule quantity of cool shit and they therefore they want more and that cool shit comes at the expense of having a shit personal internal life and also continuously bludgeoning your fellow man mm-hmm. yeah that's another big thing these are like profoundly people are profoundly boring even among their age group like i do generally think like a universe like a fairly common cop experience in in britain at least is get bullied at school leave become a cop get posted as as a school resource officer to that same school and then get bullied at school (laughs) they do kind of give me the vibes of people who who actually find page three sexy Oh my uh, god, yes, that, that is a... Uh, it probably says stuff like, 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 oh yeah. god, unironically, you know. Grim. Okay, uh, last call for hot takes before we wrap up. Uh, yeah, don't join, don't join the police force because you saw Hot Fuzz. In fact, don't join the police force. If you are an officer and you're listening to this because of several actionable threats we made earlier in the recording, um consider quitting uh and you can leave i i yes i know people who have left the metropolitan police yes and other police forces uh not just in britain but anywhere you too can can quit the police force yeah uh, hot people will be 10 times more likely to respond to your plaintive dms on tinder when you leave <laughs> police when you leave the police force yes um Obviously, that's not a guarantee of, of oh, no, it is. success. It is. I will personally guarantee it. Yeah. Well, you first, Em. Uh, em, will, em is financially responsible for this. Yes, I'm financially responsible for your future Twitter, Tinder DM returns. Uh, oh, furthermore, it is, it, for the, it is the official stance of this podcast that it is extremely funny when police officers die in, like, absolutely moronic circumstances such as like accidentally tripping over their bin um shooting themselves in the foot and getting sepsis while on duty uh crashing their romulan warbird into a tree as as c pointed out in the in the pre-show note taking um that due to the, the the romulan police officer that we discussed at the beginning uh, let's see other cool ways that cops have died uh, hopefully embarrassments i mean they should be um getting dumped too hard uh swallowing own truncheon stuff like this all of that hot shit absolutely amazing blows mr bean out of the water do it more oh yeah join your local cop watch group um anyway um anyway all cops all cops are bastards fuck 12 etc etc so ftp yeah yes Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, join your local pop watch group. There is a there is a small but growing effort to develop cop watch groups in the UK. 
Um, it's one of the very few productive outputs of the Kill the Bill movement. Um, if you follow my personal Twitter, you know that I'm rather critical of what happened towards the end of the Kill the Bill movement, despite being quite ideologically and, and materially committed to it. Uh, I had a lot of complaints about how it ended, but the cop watch groups are great, or at least they, yes. they become great. So if there is one in your local area, please join it. Um, yeah. Modern Turf Podcast will return at some point in the next couple of months. E is pretty much over his il- illness now, um, and we're beginning to get back into the swing of things. No idea what our next episode is going to be about. Um, we've got a few ideas in the offing. I think the maybe we might be doing an episode about the Green Party at some point because they keep having their very, very silly internal custard pie fights because they're useless. Uh, that's everything I can think of. Anyway, um, yeah, bye-bye, everybody. See ya. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, everybody, Em here. Just some final notes before I sign off. Our next planned episode is probably going to be about all of the different, like, legislative stuff that's going on in the USA, uh, particularly, obviously, stuff in Texas, but also just the general broader picture. Um, Not sure when that's going to be out. We're going to try and get it out reasonably soon, but uh, as you know, our production speed is pretty terrible, so uh, no promises, but we'll do our best. Uh, We had planned, and I mentioned this in the episode, we had planned to do an episode about the Green Party, but that's now on the back burner for various different reasons. Um, We might return to that, though. It's something we've been kind of interested in in a while. Uh, But yeah.
had so much haggis over the past two days.